what a blessing we've already had just being in God's house tonight. And, and I want to say, uh, Jody and Christy did not know it, but they just gave me the confirmation to my sermon. And then Bo got up right behind them and just reaffirmed it. You know, as they were singing that song, they said something, and I don't know the exact words, but about all the questions, why? And wipe away the tears. And then Bo gets up and he talks about how Christy is an encouragement, the Barnabases of the world. Well, tonight, unbeknown to, I guess, all of you, and I don't even know if I told Bo, uh, Bo has been tremendous when he asked me. He said, look, I'm not going to tell you what to preach I know I don't know you that well as far as in the pulpit. He gave me great liberty, and he just said, look, preach whatever God lays on your heart. And so tonight I come not so much with a sermon tonight, but I come tonight to actually engage a lot of people with the struggle of life. Things that we go through, and and I'm going to share a lot of my personal testimony as well as Tammy's tonight, and what we have been through with our family. It's something I've never done before. Uh, I've shared bits and pieces here and there. Uh, A lot of you know my family. I am blessed, um, you know, a wife of almost 27 years or getting real close to it now, Tammy. Um, I've got a wonderful 22-year-old son, Russ, uh, that's here with us tonight. I've got a 19-year-old daughter, uh, Zoe, that her birthday will be when? Uh, two weeks. <laughs> October the 12th. So, uh, you know, we I'm blessed. Uh, I'm a blessed man. But our family, personally, like a lot of your families, has been through a lot of difficulty. And I don't say that to solicit sympathy. I say that to praise God for the grace that He has extended to us. A lot of people have been through things a lot worse, more severe than what our family has. But tonight, I'm going to share a lot of that testimony. But I'm going God's Word takes precedence over everything else. So I'm going to use Mark 9 as the text tonight. And I really, the, the text that is on my heart uh, tonight was Mark 9 because I live this story. And I'm going to share this story with you tonight, but I could have easily used John 9. Both of these stories, there's two messages here. Um, Well, one message in Jesus Christ, but there's two healings that take place. One, a man has a son that is possessed with a demon, that he comes seeking help um, from the disciples and from Jesus. And John 9 is the one where the man, the son, was born blind, and, you know, that's another miracle. But either one of those texts would work with what's on my heart tonight. But I'm going to ask you tonight, if, if you are coming tonight, if you're uptight, if you're discouraged, if you're ready to throw in the towel, if you question God, if you got doubt, if you're angry at God, if you're bitter at God, if, if you're just ready to turn your back on God, don't go nowhere. Because we're going to get really real tonight. And I have prayed all day, God, get me through this. Not for anybody to see anything about me, but God just... I'm not an emotional person. um, But when you deal with family, you deal with children, you deal with real-life experiences, it gets real real quick, and it's hard to hold back the emotions many times. But tonight, we're going to look at Mark 9. And we're going to pick up 
uh, in verse 14. And it says, And when he came to his disciples, talking about Jesus, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And when he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tearing. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And his father, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this, chi- this came unto him? And he said, of a, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running, or when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and, and rent him sore and came out of him insomuch as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto him, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, just what an honor and privilege it is, God, to be in your house tonight with your people. And God, tonight you know the meditations of my heart. God, you know the things that need to be said. God, you know the burdens and the cares in the people's hearts. And God, the walks of life that they come out of and the struggles, God, that they are dealing with. And God, I just pray tonight that you would speak deeply into those hearts. God, take the word, impart it several different ways tonight. God, do what only you can do. Because God, it's by your hand that we even exist that you hold all things in place because you are the power, the truth, the way, the life. God, you're everything that we stand in need of. Father, put me completely behind the cross. Just hold me in your strength and your word and its truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I didn't entitle this message, but I think I sent... Jody had texted me today and he said, Will you text me your scriptures and... And the sermon titles, but, but I, th- I think I sent him back something like this, When Life Falls Apart. 
And that's what I want to talk about tonight, really. I, I want you to be loose. I want you to be comfortable. And if tears come, let them come. This man that we see in this story, it says that, you know, he came. You know, Jesus was coming off of the Mount Transfiguration. And all these people were gathered around the disciples. And there was a great multitude there. We see that in Scripture. And, you know, they, he wants to know. You know, Jesus already knew, but he asked the question, you know, what, what are you questioning with them? And then you see this man out of the crowd, out of the multitude. And he says, Master, you know, I have a son. And so, immediately, this man engages Jesus in conversation. Now, we know the story because we've read it. And the story ends very well because the demon was cast out, the son was healed. Tonight, I'm going to talk to everybody else on the other side of the coin. The one that the healing didn't come. The one that the son died. The one that struggles in the faith because God didn't answer the way they thought God should have answered. That's the ones I'm talking to tonight. So if the rest of you don't have any problems and everything is good, you can relax. But we're going to get real tonight very quickly. So I asked myself, Tammy and I had a long discussion last night. You know, here's a man that he comes looking for something. And if you're going to deal with problems in this world in which we live, things that we don't have answers to, Things that we struggle with, whether it be physical sickness, emotional trials, children that's gone astray, financial problems that have hit that you had no control over, I want to tell you Jesus is the answer. And you say, well, that don't work for me. Jesus is the answer. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to get there tonight because we're going to walk through what this man did. The first thing this man did is he engaged Jesus. He went to Jesus with an honest question, with an honest problem, an honest issue. And you can never be a problem solver without really engaging Jesus. He came honestly and he asked. You know, the first thing that we have to take away from this text is he said, I have brought unto thee my son which hath a dumb spirit. He didn't try and brush over the problem. He didn't try and ignore the problem. But he brought the problem front and center. And he began to ask Jesus. And so that's where he started. You know, we have to be real with Jesus. Jesus knows what's in our heart. And this man, he was struggling. What, how do you summarize this text? I think you can put a lot of words to it. Despair discouraged, anxiety, fear, doubt, uncertainty, inability to comprehend. You can throw any of those words out there that you want to and that's where this man was at because the problem was real unto this man. And this man came out of love. It was a love for his son. And many times our faith gets tested the most when we're dealing with those that we love. You know, the greatest 
difficulty we have comprehending the goodness of God and the grace of God and the love of God is when tragedy comes in our house. You know, as long as it's happening over at somebody else's house, you know, we can say, God loves you. Man, I'll pray for you. I hate you going through all that. But when it comes home, when it enters your doors, all of a sudden, all the questions come. The despair comes. The fear comes. And that's where that, this man was at. You know, he came and he, he asked Jesus. And he, he sought his help and, and he explained the problem, even though Jesus already knew what the problem was. But this man came like many of us do. He ran and he came first to the disciples. You know, he ran to the religious people of that day. What happens when tragedy strikes? People fill the church up. Good illustration, 9-11. Our churches overflowed. Because all of a sudden there was a present problem that nobody really knew what an answer was. There was fear that had moved into a land that had, had for many years been at peace. And all of a sudden tragedy strikes. Thousands of people are dead. All of a sudden people are fearful and people start looking for answers. That's where this man was at. And so he came and he asked Jesus. And Jesus, you know, being only Jesus, you know, you would think he would grab the man and love on the man and say, oh man, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. What does he do? He says, oh faithless generation. You know, he comes out there, he wraps up the whole group. The disciples, the man, the son. He says, faithless generation. He says, how long shall I be with you? You know, he asked them a question because literally Jesus was with them at that time physically. He says, how long shall I suffer with you? He says, bring him unto me. So all of a sudden you see the authority of Jesus coming forward. And then he says, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway he tear him. And, you know, he goes and he falls on the ground and he wallowed foaming. And his, and his father asked, said, how long or how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So it had been a long time. You know, he walked through this many days. Ever how long, I don't know exactly. But I do know this, he struggled. And when you go through struggles and you go through trials, the longer they go, the more you pray, the more your faith begins to wean. That's just real. And that's where this man was at. And he says oftentimes in verse 22, he says, It hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. I want us to understand something this morning. Or tonight, I guess it is. I've lost track of time. But I want to tell you, our adversary is relentless. He's out to destroy you. Don't ever make any mistake with that. Because if you're a Christian, he can't do anything to steal your soul because it's firmly implanted in Jesus' hand. But what he can do is make you an ineffective Christian. He can shut you up. He can cause pain that you can't get beyond. He can cause you fear that paralyzes you. 
He can cause you to question God's love. He can cause you to do a lot of things. But you have to understand something. All of that is a choice. You know, Scripture tells us that God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So we have to remember, you know, that when fear comes, when doubt comes, when uncertainty comes, when all of those things you know, many times it's, it's not of God because those are not His characteristics. Those are from our enemy. And there's nothing wrong. You need to understand something tonight. There's nothing wrong with having a doubt. John the Baptist, Jesus said he was the greatest among all women. He was in prison. He wanted to know, Jesus, are you the one? So there's nothing wrong with having a doubt. But there is a problem when your doubt carries you to unbelief. Because you need to understand that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. And so what we have to realize is that you can have a little bit of faith. And Jesus says, if you've got a little bit of faith, then you can speak to a mountain and it'll move. Sometimes that mountain takes shape in a lot of different things. I don't know what you're dealing with tonight, but we're going to get through it. You don't lose hope. This man, when he came, he brought this child. And he said it was out to destroy him. But he says, and this is what is so real to me, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about our testimony in just a minute. But the, the second half of verse 22, he says, But if thou canst do anything, he says, have compassion on us and help us. I want you to notice, he identified the problem early on as his son the problem that the son had. But now you notice he says, help us. Have compassion on us and help us. All of a sudden, this father that is struggling for the life of his son, he's also now struggling for his own existence in the faith. Because now it has moved from wanting something so desperately to his son that now he's over here struggling in his own faith. And realizing that, that God, I'm at a place now, I'm fixing to throw in the towel. And God, I can't hold on much longer. And God, I'm, I'm hurting and I've done everything that I know I can do. Because God, I realize this child is in my care. And God, I've done, I've prayed, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I've came to your disciples. God, I've asked them to throw out this demon and they couldn't. And God, now I'm falling completely on your mercy. And God, I'm just asking you if you can do anything. Well, I want to tell you, God can do anything. Will God choose to do what we want? Not necessarily. It's got to be in accordance with His will and His divine plan. And the problem with that is that we're, we're finite. We can't see eternal destiny as far as in human perspective. So we struggle when death comes unexpectedly. You know, my heart has broke this week for the Pike County football player. Did y'all see, what, 17, 16, 17 years old, got injured in a football game Friday night and died. My heart breaks for that family. I prayed for that family. You know, I just, I think about that. And we deal with, with problems in this life. And, you know, when you look at this father, he was desperate. He was pleading for, for God to intervene. And Jesus, he says in verse 23, he said, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But we have to remember this. 
All things can be done because He's God. He can choose to do anything. But it doesn't mean that He's going to do it. And when you say, well, that's just not fair. Are you God? I mean, really. I mean, are you God? Because when you say that's not fair, you're putting yourself in the place of God saying, I have better intelligence than you. That's hard, isn't it? You know what God wants is a submission of faith. God wants us to cling to Him above everything else. Testimony, very quickly. 1995, my son was born. Happiest day of my life. Beautiful baby boy. First grandchild. Wonderful. Three years we enjoyed him. He has grown up to be very independent, very intelligent, self-sufficient in virtually everything. Good-looking young man. Never had any significant problems. You know, he, I'm not going to say he's been perfect because he hadn't, but none of us have either. So, But, I mean, he's, he was just the joy of our life. You know, everybody in our family loved him, still do. I mean, he just brings great joy to our family. Everything, you couldn't ask for anything to be going any better. Career was going good. Family was wonderful. Tammy was pregnant with our second child, Zoe. And we were as happy as we could be. I changed jobs, got a call, promotion, went to another job. I left Farm Credit, Stevie. Went to Swainsboro. Went to work with Citizens Bank, 1998. Started a new job in October. Got, or August, I guess. I got there. Tammy was working with the state. And Tammy was uh, along in her pregnancy uh, pretty well. And when I changed jobs, I lost insurance. And we had applied for insurance in, through the state with uh, Tammy's job. And they said, well, we can pick up the pregnancy and all of that uh, six weeks before the child's due date. And I'm not going to go into all the details. There's no way I can. But long story short. We joked at our house. I said, Tammy, you know, things are good, but you know, as long as you don't have this child early. You know, I didn't think anything about it. We were just joking, cutting up, having a good time, and that was a joke for a while. You know, you just can't have this child early because we don't have any insurance. Because my insurance at my job didn't go into effect for 90 days. What does Tammy do? She has the child early. Seven weeks. One week beyond what insurance would cover. So Tammy has Zoe at the University Hospital in Augusta. We're in there. All of a sudden, we've been there 15, 16 hours. Nurse comes out. And she says, Mr. Harrell, I think there's a problem. She said, we can't get the baby to keep any food down. We had, Tammy had tried to feed her two or three times, and it would come back up. They carried Zoe back to the nursery. And you know, Long story short, about 18 hours into that day, that doctor comes out, and he says, look, he said, there is a problem. We don't know what it is. He said, but we're going to ship Zoe over to the medical, it was called medical college at that time in Augusta. Send her to the neonatal unit, and they're going to do some further testing. So I've got Tammy at the university, got Zoe at the medical college. By this time, it's about midnight. Dr. Robin Hatley, he came out. I was sitting in a chair about as low as I could go. He says, uh, Mr. Harrell, I'm going to do surgery on your daughter. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, he said, don't know exactly. He said, but there's either an obstruction in her intestine or either 
you know, there's, there's something else going on, but I've got to do surgery. And I said, well, doctor, you need to understand something. I don't have any insurance, but do what you got to do. And if I had to pay you the rest of my life, I'll pay you the rest of my life. Fast forward. Surgery's done. Doctor comes out. He said, possibility, your daughter has Down syndrome. I said, Down syndrome? Explain to me what that is. So he did. I run across the road, University Hospital, tell Tammy there's a problem, possibility. You've got to remember, I'm going back and forth. We're into the second day. By this time, I've got on the phone, you know, called the family. Everybody's headed up that way. Sure enough, the doctor says, five days, we'll let you know, because they had to send the chromosomes off. Five days come back, Tammy and I had prayed. The family was praying. People were fasting. Everything was good. God, it ain't going to be downs. You know, just thank you, God. Everything's good. Doctor walks out about lunchtime. Different doctor than Dr. Hatley, but he came out about lunchtime on that fifth day. We were in the waiting room, and just very nonchalantly, he says, uh, your daughter's got Down syndrome. Um, test or affirm. Left. That was it. Our world changed just that fast. Everything was, was undone. All of a sudden, there's a lot of questions, a lot of anger. God, we prayed. God, we're hurting. And God, I don't understand any of this. You know, we've got a beautiful son at home. We had a healthy child, and now we've got one that's not so healthy. I can't go through the rest of the details because I'll be way, way over tonight. But came out of surgery, finally got home to go after 22 days, 23 days of the neonatal unit. We got home as about as low as anybody could be. About a month and a half into it, thought Zoe had a virus. Went back to the hospital about three different times, four different times to the emergency room, wound up, emergency surgery, adhesions, came out of that with a colostomy bag. Had that for about six months, had another surgery, more problems, more bills, you know, on and on and on. So why do you tell us all that? I want to just say this. We have to realize, just as this man in this story, none of us were immune to problems. We have to realize that there are problems in this world. You know, man created the problem when we sinned against God. You know, and as a result, you know, there were consequences to sin. And we suffer. And maybe you're one of those people tonight that say, well, I don't buy, I don't buy that. You know, that God is just unfair in what I'm having to tolerate. Well, I want to tell you that, and I'm just speaking from my perspective, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings in any way. But I want to tell you, just like this man in this story, Jesus told him, he said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I don't have a doubt in my mind that Zoe could be healed physically. I still pray for that. And there's nothing wrong with asking God in the midst of all that situation. But I embrace the fact that if God chooses not to heal her, I'm still going to do everything that I can do to walk in His light and in faith believing that, that He loves me. I know He does. I mean, there's no doubt. I, I firmly believe that we're all under the grace of God, that, you know, that He 
He loves us and He has shown that. So how do you come down? How do you come down when you're going through all of that stuff? Number one, you draw into the character of God. If you're really struggling tonight, I mean, if you're really hurting and you're dealing with something major, maybe, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's a heart attack, stroke, maybe you lost a child. You know, whatever you're dealing with, I want to tell you this, God loves you. You have to believe the character of God. And you have to trust His Word. That's the two steps. And you do not, whatever is inside of you and inside of your head at this moment, you do not buy in to the lies of the enemy. That God doesn't love you. The easiest thing to do when hardship comes is to believe that somehow, some way that you've done something and you're being punished and that God doesn't love you anymore. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. So you, the first thing that you have to do is you have to realize that we don't control anything. That God is sovereign. That God is loving. You know, Paul said in Romans, he said nothing could separate him from the love of God. He was convinced of that. He was absolutely certain that, that trial or persecution or famine or any of those other things that he named in that scripture, nothing could separate him from the love of God. Well, how do I know God loves me? You don't know what I'm going through. Because I know that God took his son and put him in your place. He bankrupt heaven so that you could have hope. Because without His Son, there wouldn't be any hope. Because the first problem that you have is that you're a sinner. And that I'm a sinner. And that we live in a fallen world. Adam and Eve sinned. And as a result of that sin, there's consequences. The world is no longer a perfect place. But one thing that you can bank on is that God loves you. John 3, 16 and 17, everybody in here knows it. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And He did that not so the world would be condemned, but that the world through Him might be saved. And you say, well, I don't see it. All right, let's go a step further. Envision the cross. Envision Jesus in the garden. Jesus is on his knees praying to the Father. And already the Father has promised him 12 legions of angels. So all Jesus had to say is, I'm, I'm not going through with this. They're not worth it. But the Father in heaven, he says, I'm holy and they can't reside with me. And in the midst of whatever that conversation was between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. And he submitted himself to the, the will of the Father as he prayed. He says, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And remember, he was in the flesh. He was fully man. He knew every fear, every uncertainty, every anxiety. He knew what the cross held. He knew what the nails would be, what the spikes would be. He knew everything that was going to happen. But his love was so great for you that he said, I'll willingly go and pay their debt. So don't tell me that God doesn't love you. Because remember, his son was perfect. His son was sinless. And we're not. So where do I hang my hat? Where do I come down when the world falls apart? I come down on the love of God first. 
Because it's always certain. It's always true. It never leaves me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is there with me. Do I understand it all? No, I don't. If you will remain faithful, you'll find a blessing. I don't know what it'll be. It may not be on this side of heaven, but when you walk on the streets of gold and you're in the presence of God Almighty, just as that song said, you know, we got a lot of questions, but I can assure you this. You'll know the full love of God when you see Him. The second thing. Where do I come down? Number one, I come down on the love of God. Number two, I come down understanding this, that God takes all things and that He can work them for good. The man that was born blind in John chapter 9, everybody wanted to know who sinned, this man or his parents, because he's born blind. He said, no one. Just so that the glory of the Father could be manifest. So that they could see the power of God. You know, Exodus, Moses argued with God. You know, because Moses wasn't, he had a speech impediment. And he said, you know, I can't go and speak. And God, what does God do? He says, who created that mouth? Who created the, the blind, the deaf, and the dumb? It's Exodus chapter 4. You read it if you've never read it. You know, God says, look, I created them all. You have to understand that God gives life. You know, he gave us Zoe. He gave us Russ. They're not my children. You have to release those children to God because they're God's. What you are is a steward. And what God wants to see is how faithful you will be. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's a struggle. I would love to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Zoe and just talk to her like you talk to your children. I get partial conversation. But I rejoice in the fact that she can say some things. Because I've seen a lot of children as we spent time at the medical college that were in far worse places and worse physical conditions than what she is. You know, me and Tammy, many trips, we would get extremely low. We'd cry on the way up there. We didn't want to be there. We'd go in feeling so low, and we'd sit there for a minute, and somebody would come in, and they would just have numerous, numerous problems. And we would leave, and we would rejoice going back home. God, I'm not rejoicing because they're suffering. Don't get me wrong. God, I'm just rejoicing in the fact that we were extended grace. We were extended mercy and love. And God, I'm praying for that other person because their walk ain't easy either. You know, I don't know what it's like to walk through cancer. I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I couldn't even imagine. But I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. I know what our walk has been, and it's been, it's been difficult. And this father's walk was difficult because he was, he was calling out. He said, if you can do anything, have compassion. What more compassion could you want to see Jesus? That's all the compassion that you need to see. It's how much God loved you that he gave his only begotten son. You know, the third thing. One, I come down on the love of God. Two, I realize that we live in a fallen world that God can take anything and use it for great glory. There's a lot of lives been touched through Zoe that we could have never got the opportunity to witness to or talk to had it not been for the Down syndrome. The third thing you have to realize that you can't hang your faith on emotions because your emotions are all over the place. 
God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't change. He's always loving. He's always holy. He's always kind. He's always compassionate. He's full of all those things. And so you have to remember the character of God. And you have to remember His promises. For it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. And what is He judging? He's judging our life, our faithfulness, our stewardship, our belief. You know, all those things that we read in His Word. We have to realize that, that we're anchored in Christ. We're not anchored in emotions. So if you're going to latch on to something, you latch on to Christ. And you latch on to these promises. You latch on to His words. You know, if you're going through something very difficult right now, I just encourage you, open the Bible, read the Psalms every day. I don't care which ones. You read two or three or four or five, and you see what David went through. You see what Asaph went through. You see many of the Psalms. They're great encouragements. This life's not easy. But we're not anchored in emotions. We're anchored in Christ. But you also see in the Father that there was a desire for things to be made right. The only way things will ever be right is when Christ comes again. You know, to be, I said it last night, but to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The only way that you can have life and peace and the joy and the fullness that Christ talks about is when you know that you're a child of God. Because when you know you're a child of God and that you're walking with Christ, you can take a child that the doctor has said, I don't know if they're going to make it or not. You know, it hurts. But then you can take it and you say, God, I understand something. This is your child. You created this life. God, all I am is a steward. And God, I place this child in your hands. You know, as far as Russ, my other child, you know, my responsibility is to, to raise him up in the admonition and fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord. To show him the way of life, to instill in him, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shouldn't depart from it. That's what the Scripture says. So what we have to do as parents is we have to make sure that we equip our children and provide them the opportunity because death will come at some point. What happened to the child in this story? Jesus healed him, but then he eventually died. You understand that physical healing is only a short-term fix. But yet, eternity is forever. And you can easily get caught up in the bitterness and the anger. If you want to know a lot about depression, if you want to know a lot about remorse and hurt and pain, talk to Tammy. Talk to me. You know, either one is fine. Tammy spent months shut up, brokenhearted. It was all real. But by the grace of God, He picked us up. He got us through. You know, we're almost 20 years into Zoe's life now. But you know, none of this is about Zoe 
And none of this is about me and none of this is about Tammy. It's about the grace of God. And it's about the truth of His Word. You know, God showed us what His love is. And God demonstrated to us what true humility was. And He showed us what true strength was. And He showed us what true sacrifice was. And He showed us what to love God the Father without restraint unconditionally was. To surrender everything that He had to Him. Now you got a choice tonight. You know, the glass literally is half full or half empty. Now you can live the rest of your life focused on the bottom half and all the problems and you can let the bitterness and the anger take hold of the rest of your life and then you can waste it being in bitterness and that's exactly what Satan wants you to do because he wants to shut you up and keep you out of the game. Or either you can look at that glass and say, okay God, we got a glass that's half full of pain and hurt but I'm fixing to trust in you for the fullness of your joy and my cup overfloweth. And God, I'm going to take whatever you send my way. I'm going to put it in my cup till it overflows. And all through the rest of my life, God, you're going to get the praise and you're going to get the glory. And I'm going to walk in faith. God, I don't know the answers. God, I know I've had a lot of tears. God, I'm praying for compassion. I'm praying for the peace and the tranquility and the fullness of your love. And God, I just simply give it to you. And that's what you got to do. You know, very quickly... You know, the last thing. You know, this father. You know, there was a need for Jesus in his presence. You know, that's what we all have. Is a need for Jesus in our presence. Each day of our life. We kill tomorrow or kill tomorrow with worries, you know, from today. You know, when Jesus says, you know, you just worry about today. You know, tomorrow's got plenty of troubles of its own. You have an opportunity today to walk and to praise God, to worship Him, to love Him, to show people the goodness of God, to share the gospel, the good news. That's the opportunity that God gives to each of us. So tonight, you know, as I, as I close, I just want to say this. Know the love of God. Look at His Word, His promises, His truth. Don't hang your hat on emotions. You hang them on Christ. Know that God is unchanging. That He's always faithful. That He didn't put any more on us than we could bear. That He's right there with us. And remember that we do live in a fallen world. That things happen. And don't let it destroy you. Take what Satan means to be evil. And use it for the good and for the glory of God.